Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. This summer, we have been hosting a series of discussions about Matthew Desmond's Pulitzer Prize winning book, Evicted Poverty and Profit in the American City. We have been using that book uh, as part of our Detroit Today Summer Book Club as the predicate for a bigger conversation about housing insecurity uh, here in Southeast Michigan. In that book, Matthew Desmond chronicles the way in which several families in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, deal with constant eviction, constant housing insecurity. And his theory is that these evictions cause poverty. They are a driver of poverty. They are the things that keep people from climbing up the economic ladder. And think about that. When you get evicted, uh, you have to find a new home. That costs money. Often you lose deposits that you might have uh, put down on the house that you were evicted from. You have to restart utilities and all kinds of things. Uh, In the book, Desmond goes through a lot of detail that shows that people who face this constantly are kept poor by this process, that the fact that they can't afford to keep a house, that they can't afford to stay someplace, uh, is one of the things that prevents them from escaping poverty. And we've been talking about this uh, this summer in a number of different formats, in some live formats at, uh, at area libraries. We were at the library in Ann Arbor earlier this summer where we talked about affordable housing and that city's struggle to maintain affordable housing. Uh, we were in, uh, we were in uh, Warren, uh, where we talked about uh, evictions and specifically the fact that that city is one of the top 10 cities in the United States that faces court-ordered evictions. There are more court-ordered evictions in Warren than any other city in Michigan, any other large city. We talked with folks there about that issue and some other housing insecurity issues. And this Wednesday, August 15th at uh, 6.30 p.m., we will be at the Ferndale Area District Library to continue the conversation. And what we're going to talk about there is something that I think is really poignant around this topic. It is the issue of families and children uh, and what happens to them when they get evicted. Uh, Think about the disruption that you see or feel when uh, when a family is put out of a house. Uh, Think of the belongings that pile up on the curb, many of which belong to children. Think of the change of venue for home, the reference for home for children when that happens. Think of the change in schools that often happens when kids are put out of, uh, of apartments or houses. And so we're going to talk in Ferndale about that issue. Uh, and we want to hear from you today about the issue of eviction as it relates to families and children and education schools. Uh, Do you know someone who faces this issue? Are you someone who faces this issue constantly and has had to find new places for your family to live, new places for your children to live because you've been evicted? Or is this an issue in the neighborhood where you live, Uh, especially if you live in a lower income community? This is one of the things that you probably see 
quite a bit. Uh, or maybe there's somebody in your family who faces housing insecurity and eviction in this way. The number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter at hashtag Detroit Today. And we will try to work you into the conversation. In a little bit today, we are going to have a conversation about this subject with someone who's pretty familiar to folks here on Detroit Today. Chastity Pratt Dossie is a reporter for Bridge Magazine. She joins us frequently to talk about a number of different issues around the state. She's somebody who covered the Detroit public schools for the Detroit Free Press for a very long time and, of course, then saw this issue up close as it uh, plays out in Detroit schools, which are the poorest in uh, in our state and uh, and certainly have lots and lots of families who deal with uh, this issue. Uh, but we're also going to talk to Chastity about her own personal story, her childhood growing up here in the Detroit area and how this issue played out for her family. I think that's going to be a really, really interesting uh, conversation, uh, a really eye-opening conversation about the nature of poverty, the way that poverty shapes young lives and young minds, and how people figure out how to overcome that in the long run. Chastity Pratt-Dossi is someone whose life has taken her on a very long journey from those days uh, when she was a child, and we're going to hear all about how she got from point A to point B and how she sees those issues playing out now. So again, uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We will welcome Chastity to the studio a little bit later to talk about her story, but we want to hear your stories right now about eviction. Uh, Are you somebody who faces eviction constantly? Are you someone who has family members who deal with eviction uh, and those issues? Are you someone who lives in a neighborhood that is affected by evictions, constant evictions? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Brenda. Brenda in Gibraltar. Welcome to Detroit Today, Brenda. Thanks. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I had four children very young, mm-hmm. and every we never made it through a lease, a year lease. We could barely ever make it. And I was the only one working, taking care of four children, an ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to stop a cycle. Even though you're in a situation, it's and the environment may not be the best thing. My daughter saw 11 schools before she was even in high school for my oldest child. Wow. And, and she is the most well-adjusted, strong, driven person. She's worked since she was 14. She's bought all of her own things. She's done everything she needs. When she went to college, the only thing she did was bring me a piece of paper and go, hey, you need to sign this. I did nothing to help her because... I raised them to be independent. Mm-hmm. I didn't subject them to outside um, things that could sway that drive. And, and there were no drugs. There were no alcohol. And I was very 
open and honest with them about expressing, look what I did with no education Mm -hmm. and four babies on my hip. And I've always had a good career and a good job, even though it was only in retail management, it was still a career. Mm -hmm. But look what I did with barely anything. And we moved around a lot, but we still did it. Imagine what you can do with an education and no babies on your hips. Wow. Wow. And I am astonished at what all four of them have been able to accomplish and and do yeah. and the people and the kindness that they have every day for people. Yeah. Uh, they you know, look at everything outside before they will make a decision. Sure. Uh, so, Brenda, I want to ask you a couple of questions. I, I would love to hear a little more about this pattern of eviction that you faced, what it, what it looked like. In other words, uh, you say you never made it through a year lease. Uh, when you would get evicted from one place, how did you how did you sort of collect yourself and your things and get your family to a new place each time? Uh, and and talk about the disruption that 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 well, represented. I try to make it not a disruption for my kids. Mm-hmm. My stuff never ended up on the side of the road okay. because you know it's coming if you prepare and you're there and, and, and you know it's coming, you can take the moments to figure out what your next step is. Is mm. You can't help it. It happened. So now I'm going to do whatever I can to fix it. The house may be smaller or may not be as nice, but we'll, we'll get there. Wow. And, and to never let an eviction actually happen, I never once had an eviction on my record. Right. So when I would go to rent something, I would, I'd have an excuse. Oh, oh, they're selling the house. Or, oh, the kids, I like <laughs> the school better. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you have a better reason and, and you express that to your children and, and you, the people that you may be renting, I didn't live in the best of neighborhoods, mm-hmm. so I, you know, but... Um, I always made sure they went to school, and I yeah. always made sure they had enough to eat. Wow. Wow, Brenda. And uh, that was it. Yeah. No, I really appreciate your calling and, and sharing that story, uh, and especially appreciate your sharing the way in which you tried to make sure that your children grew up to to be able to be independent and uh, to really resist uh, that that cycle that that you found yourself in, I think that uh, a lot of people <clears throat> who are independent adults uh, grew up in situations where there was a fair amount of instability and uh, had to learn how to do things differently for themselves. So, Brenda, I really really appreciate uh, the call and your story. Let's go to Frank in Livonia. <clears throat> Frank, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, uh, good morning. Um, you know, I just wanted to bring the perspective uh, from this, from the landlord's point of view. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we had uh, two rental homes. Uh, in Livonia, we have to pay uh, a higher property tax for a, uh, a rental home. Uh, we're subject to inspections. Uh, when we, when you, most landlords are mom-and-pop operations, um, when you go to borrow money to mortgage the house, uh, you, have, you have to pay a higher interest rate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, another thing that, um, that, that it's not available to us are like these energy credits to upgrade. We tried to upgrade the windows uh, in a house, which would lower, significantly lower uh, the tenant's electrical bill. 
uh, those credits weren't available to a landlord. That's only for owner occupied. It's only for owner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and so I think that there's you know there's other things that are you know that add to the cost of housing that um, you know make it more difficult not only for the landlord but for the uh, especially for the tenant because the, the tenant, tenant has to bear those costs. And you know, another thing is that uh, there's a um, you know the ADA regulations also require if you have anything over three story apartment building and in and the city of Detroit used to have thousands of, of apartment buildings. Um, I don't know exactly what happened with that, but mm-hmm. you have to have an elevator. Right. And an right. elevator is a you know, a huge cost. Uh so we're not just talking about single family homes, but you know, you see a cluster of, you know, twelve, twenty, you know, thirty apartments in one building but they're not available anymore because there's no elevator. So, um, you know, I think a lot of landlords operate on the slide. They don't, uh, uh, you know, take care of their properties. And there's a lot of, you know, substandard properties out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that there's, you know, there's two sides to this that, um, uh, and I think if we, if we made it more cost effective, because again, the mom and pop operators, don't you know, have bear a significant uh, yeah. uh, part of the cost, Frank? I, I, I'm glad you called, and I'm uh, really happy that you're uh, willing to be part of this conversation. I, I also want to say that at every point in this book club discussion that we've been having this summer, uh, I, I've been surprised by the number of landlords who want to participate uh, at the live events that we've had. We've had landlords at each of those uh, events, and and being there and wanting to sort of share their perspective about things uh, on the online uh, discussion that we're leading on Facebook. There are also landlords who are uh, participating there. But but Frank, I also want to ask you a, a little about eviction and, and, and that point at which, you know, somebody is behind on the rent in a way that, uh, that you feel like you don't have a choice uh, and you have to put them out. I'm always curious about the feeling on your side about that decision, uh, especially when you're talking about families that you may have to put out? Uh, it's heartbreaking. We've never had to evict anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we started proceedings uh, against some, uh, you know, one, uh, and they weren't actually a family. It was actually a company that was running the house for their employees. Uh, but uh, it's heartbreaking. And I think this is another thing that um, uh, I think a lot of landlords feel the same way is that we get, you know, we go to work on these houses. We're in the, the with the family. We get to know them. Um, you know, we hear about their, you know, medical problems are a huge thing. Why mm-hmm. they can't pay their rent, you mm-hmm. know, without, uh, you know, medical insurance. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, tenants that were, you know, homebound. They couldn't leave the house, you know, and, and you know, we were almost like, uh, you know, the facilities for a nursing home. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and and so yeah, no, I I would imagine that most of the landlords would, you know, it's it's a heartbreaking experience. But like I said, uh, we mortgage these houses, and if our payment is a thousand dollars that we have to make, and the and a tenant is paying uh, one thousand one hundred, we don't have any, you know, we can't. Just, oh, you know, forget the, you know, we're up against the wall too. There's on, not a lot of leeway, things. so yeah. we're highly leveraged. Uh, you know, and the house itself is a very illiquid act, uh, asset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if that tenant isn't making their payment, then all of a sudden the landlord is really struggling. And, um, you know, and again, it's a, it's, it's a difficult decision. Yeah. Very uh, difficult. 
Uh, Frank, I really appreciate uh, the call and and your sharing your perspective on this issue. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Chastity Pratt-Dossie about housing insecurity and children facing eviction. Also, don't forget, if you don't uh, get a chance to listen to all of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We will get to more of all of the evictions stories next. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. According to researchers at the University of Michigan, our state, Michigan, has the sixth highest population of homeless children, which means that there are a lot of families here who face constant eviction. This summer, as part of the Detroit Today Summer Book Club, we are talking about eviction. We're talking about the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond, which looks at the way that evictions in Milwaukee, Wisconsin drive poverty there. And we're talking about how evictions in a host of other issues here in Southeast Michigan do the same thing. There are a lot of people, families, who get bounced around with their kids and can't maintain secure, reliable living situations for their families. Wednesday at the Ferndale Area District Library at 630, we're going to convene a live event for our book club and talk about the effect of eviction on families and children, and especially on education. But today, we want to talk with one of our favorite reporters, someone who has covered young families who struggle in the Detroit public schools and whose personal story is also reflective of the housing insecurity that afflicts so many families. Chastity Pratt-Dossie is a reporter with Bridge Magazine. Chastity, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Detroit. Yes, it's great to it's great to have you here. Uh, so let's start with uh, with the story of uh, what your childhood was like and the way in which eviction had, a, 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 I would imagine, a pretty profound effect on the things that you can remember from your childhood. Right. So um, I am the oldest of eight. Mm-hmm. Yes, you come from a very big family. <laughs> a huge family, <laughs> like 30 nieces and nephews. <laughs> and um, growing up, my, my mom and my stepdad met when I was two. So the eight kids are like a his, hers, and ours mm-hmm. kind of situation. It's a Brady Bunch. Yeah, right? yeah. He had three daughters, my mom had me, and then they got together and had four more kids. <laughs> but uh, that was the thing. when, when um, my, my mom actually grew up in the Jeffries Projects. Mm-hmm. The, the small ones and the big ones, as they call them, small mm-hmm. projects, were the smaller ones. That were and like the high-rise. The high-rise is the yeah. big projects and right down uh, the road from the Brewsters. And my dad grew up sort of in the um, Black Bottom area, and then when that was gone, they moved a little uh, inward towards the west side. Mm-hmm. At any rate, um, uh, I remember um, I was born right after our family moved out of the uh, Jeffries and um, our family being my, my grandmother and all her kids mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. moved into a house on the west side. And the first first uh, place I remember living was um, Cedar Lawn in Mendota, which mm-hmm. is near uh, Plymouth. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was great. I was, I was really, really little. This is like around the time I'm starting school. 
um, you know, Detroit back then, you, you grew up with people. Remember that term? Sure. We grew up we together. We grew up together. I didn't grow up with many people <laughs> <laughs> because we moved all the time. Yeah. You know, my uncle can say, oh, I, I grew up with um, Bettis, Jerome Bettis and them. They lived around the block. Well, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of people mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. very short periods of time. Yeah. Um, by the time I graduated from high school, I, I can count 10 places that we lived. Wow. Um, not counting those few times where we might have had to stay with. Auntie Deborah or Grandma Bessie or, you know, mm-hmm. Auntie Chris for a while. You know? yeah. And um, and people say, well, how does this happen? We know how this happens. It's poverty. You know, my dad uh, worked for GM. He worked the line. But when you got eight kids and, you know, my mom had to stay home. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she, she had six kids in the house. She couldn't just go to work, you know. And uh, so, you know, you got eight kids to take care of. Working on the line might have sounded like good money back then, but, you know, it was it was a struggle. Yeah. And so uh, we moved every two, three years. Um, luckily for me, there was a stint when I was in middle school, sixth grade to eighth grade, where we stayed in the same house. Yeah. So I got, <laughs> I got to live and go to the same school um, for middle school. And that's that's huge. Yeah. You know, moving schools was was a lot as it was. You know, it's crazy. I, I'm sure. Um, uh, how often were these moves a result of actual evictions? And talk about what you remember yeah. about the whole idea of being put out of a place. Well, um, it's like the caller was saying earlier. My, um, You know when you're going to get evicted. Mm-hmm. So my parents stayed ahead of it enough so that we never got our stuff put out on the curb. Mm-hmm. And we lived in neighborhoods where we did see that happen to people. You know, you would see, you know, your friends down the street, you know. Somebody's super, stuff all Superman over Superman blanket on the curb with, you know, all their, their family's belongings. And sometimes, you know, people would you know, scurry and get their belongings off the curb within a day. And then sometimes that stuff will get rained on, snowed on, and now it ain't no good. And you just wonder, you know, how are your friends making it with all their stuff ruined? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that luckily never happened to us. We stayed ahead of it enough. Um, but I just remember growing up and, you know, I, I remember only a few of our landlords seeing them to their, you know, seeing their faces. Yeah. Um, you know, early on when I'm small, this is early 80s, there were, Usually older white men that come over and blah, 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 give me money, give me money. And our parents would, you know, give them what they could, sure. literally. But, you know, I knew as the oldest, okay, we bought the move again. Right, right. Um, but there's a lot that comes with housing insecurity. If you can't pay your bills, I mean, you probably can't feed your kids. Mm-hmm. You, your utilities are getting cut off. I mean, we see this. In Detroit, I feel like I've seen it more being a result of joblessness mm-hmm. or underemployment right and that's what our our problem was in our family my my dad worked but my mom didn't and mm-hmm. there's eight of us right, right. <laughs> and there was a period you might remember in the 80s where gm laid people off my yeah. dad got laid off yeah. with eight kids and that was the first time i i held in my hand those pink and purple tickets called mm-hmm. food stamps wow and you know and so our housing insecurity i believe and i believe this is true for a lot most people was a result of job issues joblessness underemployment and it came along with other issues like food insecurity um, and, you know, issues in school. You're moving school to school to school to school. Sure. Um, and it, it, it just pervades. It, it, it's, it's part of life. Yeah. It's part of everything. It touches you when you wake up, when you go to sleep. It's part of your everyday life. And um, it, it is, uh, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say a disease, but it impacts kids in a way. It's traumatic. Yes. It's traumatic. Right. That that not knowing 
where you're going to be, not just where you're going to live, but where you're going to go to school, where you're going to play, mm-hmm. all <clears> of those things uh, really, really affect young minds in a, in a different way. You know, uh, so, so Chastity, you and I met uh, at the University of, mm-hmm. of Michigan uh, in the early 90s. Uh, talk about how you get to that point right. and how the rest of your life unfolds after that with a fair amount of uh, opportunity that that you didn't have uh, as a child. Right. So again, I'm the oldest of eight and everybody looked up to me. Going, you know, going to school and going to it was like um it was like my happy place. Mm-hmm. You know, not like home wasn't happy because a big family is a happy place, let me tell you. <laughs> Even when you broke it's like good times. We still, you know, I, I don't look at my childhood like it was unhappy. I and mean, right. we had some hard times for real. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but school was it was something that I did well and mm-hmm. and it was a place where I was rewarded for doing well mm-hmm. and so I even though you were moving around oh yes oh yes it was like when I would start a new school it was almost like a challenge let me show these people just mm-hmm. how smart I am mm-hmm. you know and and then it was a way to make friends make you know teachers your allies um, to do well in school. So that was my thing. I can, I, I can do school. You know, I might not be able to do, you know, designer clothes when I go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, might not, I might look a little ragtag when I show up, but everybody's going to know she's the smart kid. Yeah, yeah. And so all my brothers and sisters looked up to me for that. You know, she's the smart kid. She has to set an example. And that's what I graduated high school with. I'm going to set an example, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I get into Michigan, nobody in my family had gone to a four-year college, nonetheless graduated. And um, I would be lying if I said I went to college to be educated. I went to college to get the hell out of Brightmore. Right. And I was going to take everybody with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we got to get out. We are leaving. We right? are getting the hell out of Brightmore. <laughs> um, because at that time, my family, um, that we were living in Brightmore and um, we kind of claim Brightmore because we lived there the mm-hmm. longest and mm-hmm. that's where my brothers and sisters went to high school in Redford. So um, that was my thing. I'm going to Michigan and we're going to all get out of here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at Michigan, I was, uh, I, I I tell people I come from humble beginnings, but, you know, even now, Stephen, when you all talk about Michigan, I had a different experience. I never went out to eat. Ever. Hmm. No, I did not go to Mr. Spots. No, I did not <laughs> go to any sit down restaurant right. the whole time I was in Michigan. Wow. So um, it was still really, really difficult. I was putting myself through school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had partial scholarships and financial aid, but I was putting myself through school. The first um, uh, the first MasterCard or Visa I got was to buy my brothers and sisters school clothes wow. when I was a freshman in college because they they were again, this housing insecurity. My mom was still dealing with it. Um and uh, I remember coming home after, during spring break, um, freshman year, mm-hmm. and I knocked on our door, and my brother was across the street waving his arms, hey, we moved over here. Wow. <laughs> they moved across they the street. moved while you were Nobody gone. told me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it was one of those, hurry up, we got to go. Yeah. And they happened to know the people across the street who were moving, and they let you know, let our family move into their house yeah. while they moved out into the suburbs. I think that was the story. I get them confused sometimes <laughs> what the stories are, why we moved. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm freshman year. I'm coming home from college, and I'm like, whoa. Y'all. I don't live here anymore. I don't live here I anymore. Live I live across, across the, street. the street. Wow. Uh, talk about as an adult uh, how you think about these issues, both in your professional life where, as I said, you covered Detroit public schools for a really long time uh, for the free press and saw – 
I'm sure lots of other people in this situation, but also just in your personal life. How do you how do you think about home? How do you think about mm-hmm. home for your family mm-hmm. now? And is it shaped by the experiences you had as a kid? Oh, it definitely is. I um, I mean, just think about um, housing insecurity and poverty. Families are dealing with food, clothing, shelter, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can't provide those three things, you're going to have a lot of problems. Yeah. And with those problems comes depression. And with that depression comes what? Substance abuse a lot of times and alcoholism. And we deal with that in our family as well. Um, all of that. Uh, and for me, having lived so many places and gone to so many different schools, um, for me, home is my family, wherever my family wherever is. Wherever they are. Yeah, it's not a physical place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, In my adult life, I have moved with our family a few times just to you know, get a better or different home because I don't get attached to the building. And um, honestly, wow. I don't a lot of times get attached to the people in the neighborhood. Uh, being a reporter, I like to talk to people, mm-hmm. so I'm going to know <laughs> the people in the neighborhood. I'm going to know what's going on, but I don't get attached, and that's just out of habit, yeah. you know. Um, it's the defense mechanism, I'm sure. It, and and there are no, um, uh, maybe one or two people from growing up who I lived around who I still keep in contact with, mm-hmm. even though there's hundreds of faces and names that come to mind. My brothers and sisters more so keep up with people from Brightmore than I do, because by the time the three, four years we lived there, I was off to college. Um, but I don't get attached to physical space. <laughs> yeah. I don't get attached to the neighbors um, out of habit. And home is where my family is, you know. And and um, my favorite movie of all time is The Wiz. <laughs> is it? <laughs> because at the end, you know, the song yes. The Wiz, Little right. Horn sings. Uh-huh. Yeah. She said, home is, is knowing your heart, right. your mind, and your courage. Yeah. And so that that's like my favorite movie because um, I watched it over and over again after I graduated from college <laughs> and had to move away from my family. Wow. Yeah. You know, when I went to Michigan, I was 45 minutes down the road. But when I had to literally leave my family and to go take a to, job, yeah. to take a job, to take a job in Oregon, <laughs> 3,000 miles away from my people, mm-hmm. that to me was, um, that was, that was traumatic. And it was even more difficult because at the time I was 21, graduated from Michigan. I'm like, okay, got this real job. Now, little did I know the job that I love paid the least <laughs> of all, <laughs> all degrees <laughs> coming out of college. Yeah, we didn't make a lot of money, right? <laughs> no, but I was starting at a good school. I mean, a good paper, right? Yeah. You know, I went to the New York Times right after school, mm-hmm. interned there. So I'm like, I'm going to make it, baby. <laughs> so then after that, um, my first real, real job was at Oregon. But I... um. At the time, again, my, my family's going through it. They were living with my uncle on the west side, my uncle and my aunt, and my sisters were 15. I was 21. And all I could think of is this is this is not good. Mm. You know, they're, they're 15. Mm-hmm. They're living in this neighborhood where it's a lot going on, and we don't know where they're going to be living next year. And it was just a lot of flux, again, housing insecurity. So um, I made the decision with support from my mom that I would take them to Oregon with me. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. They were twins. They are twins. Yeah. They were 15 and I was 21. Huh. And um, it was decided that, you know, I had a better job. It would just be the three of us. They would be able to, to you know, just sit still for yeah. a minute and have yeah. some, some housing. And have some stability. Some, some stability. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> it was, amazing. It was crazy. Yeah. 
This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Chastity pratt Dosser. She's a reporter at Bridge Magazine. She uh, and her many brothers and sisters moved around a lot uh, when she was a child as part of uh, the insecurity that a lot of families face, the housing insecurity that a lot of families face here in Southeast Michigan. We are talking to Chastity as part of our Detroit Today Summer Book Club, where we are reading the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond and talking about housing insecurity issues here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, Wednesday at the Ferndale Area District Library at 630, we're going to continue the conversation with another event. Uh, you can come out and talk to us about how eviction affects children and families and education. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Mary in Huntington Woods. Mary, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, I got to turn the radio off. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> go ahead. Well, um, well, I'm calling as a professional. I'm a retired nurse practitioner uh-huh. at Children's Hospital in uh-huh. Detroit. And I listened to you, and my concern is that, and maybe the book didn't, because I haven't read it, is to include health care. You have no idea how homelessness and all the moving around mm-hmm. and the chaos from moving affects how yeah. That, it, Mary, that's a uh, thank you very much for calling and introducing that dynamic right. into the conversation, Chastity. There's no question that uh, that she's right. It it has an effect on everything in your life, including your health. I mean, the bottom line is stability. Mm-hmm. When you're moving a lot from home to home, you're moving from school to school. Your records get all messed up, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, your your whole family is mentally traumatized to the point where you know. Your mom might be like, I don't know. Did they get their shots? When did they get their shots? Eh, I mean, there's the, there's a lot of instability. And, mm-hmm. and the one caller who talked about medical bills, psh, who's paying medical bills? Right. <laughs> Nobody ain't paying on no medical bills when you can't even figure out, you know, where you're going to live next. Right. And, and when you're not really um, stable, a lot of things fall to the wayside. And health care, taking care um, of your family on a regimented you know, schedule and mm-hmm. keeping up with all that. All I mean, it just becomes a big old jumbled mess when you, when you have housing insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Mary, thanks again for the call and the comments. Let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, good morning, Stephen. Hey, Gene, how are you? Yeah, yeah you know, uh, as a realtor, one of the saddest, most depressing things uh, we ever do is to go into a house uh, trying to prepare it for sale. Uh, where there's a fresh eviction mm-hmm. uh, uh, for whatever reason. And uh, you go in there and you see little kids' toys and clothes scattered around, and some wow. of them out in the street. Uh, and even in, in the suburbs, where you go and you see little uh, notches made with pencils on the wall where the kid is, you know, so tall at one point and a little tall at another point. And, and, it, it wrenches your heart right out your yeah. chest to, to feel uh, uh, the disruption that uh, they go through and and, and the, uh, the loss that those little kids uh, go through and and that's what and that's what really tears up neighborhoods yeah. that's what makes neighborhoods unstable exactly. and that's why we fight so hard you know uh, uh, against uh, 
uh, evictions mm-hmm. and, and water shutoffs, which just increased all that, uh, the demolitions of mm-hmm. the way they've been carried out, and why we continue to fight for seven years now for a reinstitution of the new abatement repair mm-hmm. to own program yeah. to repair these neighborhoods and put people in these houses that can be affordable. Yeah. Gene, uh, great comments as, uh, as always. Thanks very much for that call. The effect on neighborhoods yes. is, is unbelievable. Uh, and I can, I can sort of speak firsthand about that over in the neighborhood where I was born on the west side near Livernois and Grand River where just on our block, uh, you know, eviction is a constant issue. Yeah. And it's, the, you know, the turnover and the disruption makes it really hard to build community, makes it really hard to move things forward. It's always, you know, a step forward and a couple steps back. So that uh, when he started talking, that was the first thought that came to my mind. People don't understand that this sort of instability permeates, when I say everything, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we might be able to just say, oh, you know, back in the day, our neighborhoods were so... <clears throat> So different people took care of each other and, you know, knew each other. And, you know, the lady down the street, she would spank you because you did something <laughs> wrong because right. she knew your family for That's 20 right. years. That's you know, right. th- that those sorts of, you know, memories and nostalgia or whatever, you know, that's one thing. But let's talk about it on a real level. When you have housing instability to the point that we are having it here in Detroit and other places, Kids don't stay long enough. Parents don't stay long enough to be part of the block club, to be part of the PTA, to really help build that, build the community, to be part of the fabric of something that works. People are moving and coming and going so much. There's not going to be a PTA. There's not going to be a block club. There's not going to be a sense of community. Yeah, it's really hard to build. Uh, Gene, again, thanks for the call and the comments. Let's go to Jenna in Ann Arbor. Jenna, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, thank you for having me. Sure. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm really glad that I listened to the program this morning. My husband and I and our two kids, we've really been struggling um, with housing hmm. for a number of years now. My, my son is two, and we were first homeless. I was like six months pregnant with him or something, and we haven't been able to find stable housing in all of that time. And even now, we only have been out of shelter for about a month Wow. Um, here in Ann Arbor. And I just was holding a lot of resentment towards landlords here in Washington because I couldn't find a place to lay my kids down at night and Mm -hmm. it was really frustrating and I would cry about it and people you know would say you know go find jobs get a get a better job a higher paying job and that's so easy when you don't have two kids and have to pay for daycare Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I'm working and I'm doing everything that I can and my husband is working his his butt off to provide for us and we're just not making it and so to hear the perspective of the landlord just to say, you know, he has all these bills that he also has to pay. And I didn't realize people were taking mortgages out on these houses to rent to people. Sure. It just helps me understand that it's not because they're greedy and, like, want all this money, but, you know, that they have to make a living, too. And hmm. so it just helped alleviate a lot of that anger that I was feeling. And hmm. I'm so glad that you are talking about this this summer and that I was listening to the program this morning. I can't tell you what a sense of relief even just that is, even though I'm still, you know, homeless, <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing I can do about it, but I'm trying, and yeah. it's nice to know that landlords out there are trying. Yeah, Jenna, and that it's outside of their hands. Jenna, I I really really appreciate your calling and sharing that story, and I know that in Ann Arbor, especially, 
uh, there are a lot of families that struggle with that because uh, the the cost of living mm-hmm. in Ann Arbor has gone up just exponentially uh, over the last 15 uh, or 20 years. And, and again, that's the root of it. It's joblessness. It's cost of living. You know, our median income here in Michigan is nowhere near where it used to be, especially mm-hmm. not in Detroit. We know that, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I really think people need to take a look at this book by Matthew Desmond, uh-huh. Evicted. Mm-hmm. I remember when a, a Laura Weber Davis, producer here, gave me the book and I started it last month. Did she tell you this? No. <laughs> I started it last month and I was out of town and I'm reading it and I text her, texted her to say, what the hell have you got me reading? <laughs> I mean, I was bawling 50 yeah. pages it's in. It's really hard to it get is, through. It is, he is, this is why this book won the Pulitzer. Yeah. He takes you into situations, into people's lives, into, you know, these these really bad, bad yes. situations in neighborhoods and even the trailer parks and, mm-hmm. and it's it's data, it's information, but it's told through these people's everyday powerful lives, yeah. the painstaking day-to-day decisions you're making between buying your kids some Zatarain's <laughs> rice and, you know, paying the landlord, yep. not knowing if he's still going to put you out. Yeah. I mean, the, these stories in this book are heart-wrenching and real and they drill down to not only only what happens in people's lives, but why it happens. And the thing that we need to do when we talk about joblessness, homelessness, destabilization, housing security is always have our eye looking toward, well, what are the solutions? How do we solve that? How do we solve this? How do we, you know, we know that there has always been and likely always will be really poor people, especially in a capitalistic society, Mm -hmm. right? But how do we help more people get out of this? Just give them (laughs) basic needs, right? Basic housing. Housing, security. That's one of the things that uh, is the most frustrating, I think, about Affordable the way things housing. Are, are structured in this country is that that basic need goes unmet in so many in so many instances. And we, we talk about affordable housing and low-income housing. I know the, 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 the projects where my family grew up. Mm-hmm. And they literally grew up there for 20 yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the poor low-income neighbors have their own issues with crime or whatever, but it was theirs. They lived there. They raised families. And now, what is it? It's condos. Yeah, I was going to say, it's gone. It's and we're gone. something very different. And what's going to be the Brewsters? What's that yeah. going to be next? You know, right. affordable housing and the median income it's based on here in Detroit is nothing, nothing to the real people in Detroit when your median income is 26000 but affordable homes, um, median income is 40000 You yeah. can't afford the affordable housing. You can't, you can't afford to live there. Yeah. Chastity Pratt-Dossi, reporter with Bridge Magazine. It's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Anytime. Yeah. Up next, we are going to talk with the Republican who wants to replace David Knesik. We've heard lots about Betty Jean Alexander, the surprise candidate who defeated Knesik in the Democratic primary in the 5th State Senate District. We will talk about what Deshaun Wilkins wants to do for the people of that district. Stay tuned for more Detroit Today.